Hi everyone, I'm Millie. I'm Glenn. And I'm Lucy. And welcome back to Bath Bomb, your weekly news catch-up at the University of Bath. We'll be covering what you need to know about what's going on in Bath this week, from the serious to the silly. On today's episode, we're very excited to have our first special guest with us, the wonderful Eloise Sakaras. She'll be chatting to us about her experiences of student activism over the years. And this week, we'll also be chatting about a rent refund story from the University of Sheffield and what that could mean for other unis. A story about animal rights and mice kept here at Bath. The latest on a student party in the new prayer room on campus. And finally, your coronavirus update, including Lucy's experience of the new mass asymptomatic testing, which has started this week. Let's kick things off with our special guest. Thanks so much for joining us, Elle. No worries. So, um, Elle, we just want to know what causes you've been involved with at the university during your time at Bath. So I started off in first year um, with uh, Bath Time, the student newspaper. I actually wrote just sort of a very silly article about uh, my friend's experiences of going into railing and having a bit of a disaster time. Um, and from there, I just sort of met people within the SU. Um, I got much more involved with sort of the political aspects of Bath Time uh, at the end of the year, sort of doing the cover story about um, estates and sort of uncovering what was going on behind the scenes in the estates department. I actually became the deputy editor for the next year and covered a whole host of things from sort of diversity um, on campus to IMCs uh, to sexual assault. And yeah, and then I also got involved with the LGBT society, um, became the campaigns officer for that in my second year as well. So I had, I had a very busy second year, um, which was great. And we sort of ran a myth busting campaign about sort of narratives about different kinds of LGBT people that are not necessarily accurate and sort of how you can address those. And those posters went up all around the SU. So you could just see them as you walked in to get your morning coffee, uh, which I think was great. And then I actually ran to be an SU officer as well, unsuccessfully. I think that was also sort of a big part of my experience of student activism at Bath. Um, is there a cause that you've become particularly passionate about at uni or is this all things that you've taken from your youth? Um, I was always passionate about campaigning. I, in When I was about 17, I sort of accidentally got involved in a campaign for Citizens UK about migrants' rights, which was something I'd never uh really thought about being like a very white privileged person from North London and yeah it just kind of started from there sort of online stuff as well really sort of got me involved um and yeah at, at Bath it just sort of I just kind of fell into it with the people that I met sort of from being involved in the LGBT society and studying politics I just the two things just kind of came together. From what you mentioned it sounds like um everything you've been involved with has been very much uh, in-person based and surrounded by a community. So what sense of community was there uh, with student activism before COVID? Yeah, I think it's definitely something that it's a real shame has kind of uh, dissipated with COVID. I think uh, rightly or wrongly sort of student activism at universities tends to kind of be definitely helped by sort of who you know um, just sort of more in case of getting involved in the first place not in case of actually making a change but just to sort of get your foot in the door um, I think getting involved in sort of student groups and the people that you meet from that then you kind of realize issues that you wouldn't have 
practice before. I think my sort of drive came firstly from personal experience because there were things in my first year that I struggled with, such as mental health, getting IMCs, um, that sort of really made me be like, this system is wrong and needs to be changed. But I think also literally just going to happy hour with Glenn and bumping into the community officer and just meeting people like that. Um, yeah, that just kind of really sort of fostered a sense of community. And then, you know, being on bath time committee, just sort of being in our actual office space was huge because people would come in and you would just find out what was going on that other people didn't necessarily know. Um, and being able to break those stories and have that sense of community of putting stuff together like that, putting together those stories was amazing. And I think it's a real shame that sort of with COVID, you can't necessarily have that physical space to do that anymore. Yeah, for sure. So, um, I mean, I don't know how involved you've been in with activism this year, but do you know what's been going on uh, with student activism since COVID started? Um, so I haven't been involved this year because it's my final year and I'm trying to sort of take a step back. But I do myself, but I do sort of still have quite a lot of friends that are involved, um, especially within the LGBT society. And I, I think it is a lot harder, but I think there is also still ways to be getting stuff done. Um, the LGBT society earlier this year was sort of uh, in negotiations with the gay bar in Bath, um, sort of one and only in Bath then uh, refused to have a gender neutral bathroom, which sort of if they'd responded in uh, a way of sort of explaining the reasons for that, um, I think, you know, that could have been something that was sort of up, up for debate potentially, um, if there were genuine reasons behind it, but they sort of reacted very harshly. And um, yeah, the response sort of from their customers was actually very transphobic. And, um, you know, it was still sort of able to, even within COVID, you know, that was still going on and they were still sort of in negotiations and it didn't really work out for the best. I don't know what is going to happen and it's not my uh, place to say because that's sort of still ongoing. But I think it's still possible to sort of try and achieve things, um, but sort of without having the physical presence, it's quite hard. Um, and in terms of activism and your future, where do you think that activism is going to take you in your career? Um, God knows. I I would love to be a journalist in future. I absolutely loved writing for Bath Time. I would put it above and beyond my degree, which is very bad. <laughs> um, trying not to do that this year uh, because I just fell in love with it so much. Just kind of being in that room, having all the stories sort of formulating something and putting it together and actually feeling like you could raise awareness about something and make a change because you know everyone picks up the paper on campus I would absolutely love to do that full-time but I also think journalism is quite an uh, interesting industry to get into these days especially with COVID and sort of lack of advertising putting a lot of uh, places out of business so yeah I think policy work is also something that I'm thinking of going into but we'll see. <laughs> Oh, that sounds amazing. Well, thank you so much for speaking to us. Yeah, thanks for that, Elle. That was really interesting. Um, I remember those happy hours well. I remember that first story about the interrailing um, adventures that you had uh, very well as well. Uh, me and Nicola, who is my current flatmate and um, was lifestyle editor at the time, um, really enjoyed that article. Um, and you can see that we uh, fully bath timeified you over the year, turning you from an interesting lifestyle writer 
um, to someone who wrote about estates. But uh, never mind, we got there with that story in the end as well. Um, but kicking us off today um, with our um, news, and Elle's going to stick around and discuss these stories with us, by the way. Um, but but first up, uh, we've got something um, that's, uh, yeah, very much student activist related in um, Sheffield. So the University of Sheffield is refunding £1 million of rent uh, to students who are leaving halls uh, within the government travel window. Uh, the story first shared by the Sheffield tab will see students refunded for the time they will not spend in their rented accommodation if they follow government advice uh, and return home before the 9th of December. This fo follows uh, Sheffield SU's Forgotten Students campaign that has already seen a £3 million budget set aside to form a relief fund uh, for students with less income this year or facing COVID-related costs. Uh, the campaign makes a series of demands of university management, including academic protection, financial support and support to access digital resources. I, um, My heart was warmed by this campaign uh, and this story, firstly, to see um, the tab writing positively about uh, an SU, which is always nice. Um, and secondly, to see an SU being so effective in, um, you know, making demands of the university and, and, and lobbying and, and, you know, getting this money for students um, that, you know, are suffering through a, a really difficult time. Um, it sounds like they've been doing a great job. Um, they've got a few of those, you know, demands and objectives still to meet, but fingers crossed with a bit of time, they will get there. What do you guys think about all that? Um, so I think it's really amazing and I think it's brilliant. Firstly, as you say, Glenn, because uh, a student union is uh, holding the university to account. But I also think that that's a really great incentive for students to go home within the travel window. And obviously the government can't for really force universities to do anything. But um, I think that that's um, an amazing way to get people to sort of abide by the rules and to ensure that all students were as we were supposed to um, getting home uh, well before Christmas to prevent the spread of any coronavirus cases. So yeah I think that like from an activism point of view it's great and it's a win and I also think that uh, the government will be really pleased with it and hopefully other universities um, will decide to make some changes too. Yeah I think it's amazing I just think sort of I've been following the Manchester rent strike campaign um, quite a lot on Twitter and the Bristol one and I think sort of the demands that they are making um, just within you can think what you want about rent strikes sort of in general but the demands that they're making within the pandemic are sort of very baseline things like not being charged for not living there in that sort of period at the end where students are going home it would just seem ridiculous if that was something that was happening um, and I think one of the really sort of demands that hit me was um, about no con no penalty releases for contracts because I've actually decided to live at home during the lockdown period because my mental health was sort of struggling in Bath, uh, just sort of with a lack of routine. I love my housemates, but I was getting no work done and just with without that kind of university structure. So I moved home for lockdown to sort of be around my family and have a greater sense of structure. And I'm still paying rent in Bath, which obviously is annoying. Um, so I think, yeah, just to, to not have to pay for somewhere that you're not even living in in a global pandemic is something that is so important. And I really hope those demands get met as well within these campaigns. Yeah, I don't think, unfortunately, the the mood of the tide is similar in Bath. Um, 
yeah, I don't think there's been any explicit statement on it, but I remember watching a Q&A, um, the Q&A that the SU hosted um, about this winter and Christmas coronavirus period. And the accommodation services were saying that it's a very different situation, obviously from their perspective, compared to March when students at Bath did get rent refunds. Um, yeah, they were very much insisting that accommodation is staying open throughout this lockdown um, and throughout December and January. So it's very much there for students if they want it. So from their perspective, there's no reason to offer rent refunds. So unfortunately, it doesn't seem to be on the agenda at Bath. But um, yeah, as you guys have said, it's, it is really great to see success stories that have absolutely achieved their aims from student activism elsewhere in the country. Um, so it's, it's great that this shift of of power really that that students are having um their they're achieving their desired outcomes um is a great tide to see across the country i think what we're seeing here is a the, there's one key marked difference you know between what i read into when i dove into the sheffield story and from what i see here in bath and i, I don't by any means say this lightly but um, the, the SU over there was making demands. They were led by the students um, and they were representing the students. And from what I've seen from the SU in Bath, especially at the Q&A and, and in some other areas as well, they seem to be kind of acting as a mediator between um, university management and the students. And it seems to be much less of a, we're here to represent the students and, and, and this is what they are saying. And it is a bit of a, a mediation exercise. Uh, putting on shows like the Q&A and, and, you know, similar things with, with statements that have come out and, and things like that as well. Uh, it's been a tough time for the officer team. They've, they've been cutting the teeth for quite a while now, but, it, you know, it's it has been, a, you know, a very rough few months for them. But I think I think we'd all appreciate some um, of what we're seeing from Sheffield and Manchester and Bristol, which is that more we're putting ourselves out there. We are students and we are with you as opposed to a third party mediator approach. Yeah, I think, again, I have the utmost respect for the Bath SU. I think they're an amazing team and have the sort of the worst circumstances in this year. Um, but I did actually hear uh, from the Labour Society that they were sort of um, talking to the SU about getting a housing campaign going. Um, that was sort of about a month ago. So I don't know whether that is in the works or not but I really do hope that that is something that we see because I know I definitely focused a lot in my SU officer campaign on housing and um, I think I was told that it had been really put on the agenda uh, sort of from running that campaign and it sort of got onto a lot of students minds and I at Bath and I think that uh, it's just something that really needs to be talked about and even not in a global pandemic sort of in general housing in Bath um, the fact that it is a lot higher than the rates in a lot of other parts in, of the country and sort of helping students with that financially, I think it's really important. Um, yeah, so I actually had, again, I don't know what it is with me and traumatic stories because last week, obviously, I had a situation with some rats. But um, <laughs> um, uh, it's been my last few days in Bath because I'm due to go home on Saturday. 
and I decided to go out with my housemates on the new electric scooters in the city um so this was on Tuesday evening and we were like oh yeah it'll be really nice it'll be quiet there won't be many cars around so we thought it'd be a good idea to go out anyway I'm already a fairly cautious driver so I wasn't too keen on speeding around um, on the scooters but all my housemates uh, were way ahead of me so I decided um, when coming down George Street to speed up a bit um, and I was like used to it by then so everything was good well so I thought anyway I then turned around the corner off George Street and I don't know why but I suddenly started accelerating and I was practically flown into oncoming traffic and I like slammed my foot down to stop myself from flying off the scooter and I really hurt my ankle and I was literally just like screaming and there were a few people walking around it was probably about eight o'clock at night and there were yeah some people walking around and everyone was just staring at me and I literally saw my life flash before my eyes so I thought it was absolutely um, horrifying but then one of my um, housemates said to me that it actually wasn't that bad and I wasn't anywhere near the car but um, yeah, so this is just a word of warning. If anyone is going to use scooters, do be careful. Go at your own pace and don't accelerate. Go around corners. It's certainly an interesting one there, Lucy. I've seen lots of, um, I was out in town for a meal last night and um, I'm not saying you were at all inebriated when you were on uh, the scooter there. I'm sure they have their own problems, but there were certainly a few um, students knocking around, having some more experimental fun and seeing how many people that could fit on a single scooter last night, uh, <laughs> nearly running me and my housemates over. So, uh, yeah, those scooters seem like great fun, um, but a, a breathalyzer on them, if that's possible, would maybe be nice. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I hadn't been drinking at all. Of course not. It was a Tuesday night. Yeah, yeah. But you know like I have a driving license I'm not saying I'm a good driver but I thought that my driving was you know sufficient enough to go around on a scooter evidently not <laughs> cool so our next story this week um is uh from animal rights group uh Peter uh who have revealed uh that four swim tests are being conducted on mice at the University of Bath uh, so mice are placed in a beaker of water in the experiment um, and the length of time that they swim for is monitored uh, and that's used to test antidepressant drugs for humans uh, with the length of time that the mice swim for intending to indicate the success of the drug. Uh, Peter suggested uh, that the experiment carries no academic value uh, while the university responded by saying that the test provides an important early step in identifying drugs that have antidepressant effects. Uh, they clarified uh, that the number of mice using the experiments is kept to a minimum. Uh, when removed from the experiment, uh, mice, mice display normal behaviours when they are back in their cages. Uh, interesting story, this one, the, the journey that I've noticed um, with um, animal rights groups and uh, the university, it, it's obviously quite a tumultuous relationship. Uh, they've been here before. Uh, we've seen similar stories a, a few years ago now. Um, we've had animal rights groups up on campus uh, with fairly loud campaigns. Um, actually, there were silent protests, but loud usually um, on open days. Um, and we actually did a piece in, in my second year when, when I was editor in chief when um, I went and spoke to some of these people, um, some of the animal rights activists, and then for a separate story. Um, a few months down the line, actually went to visit the um, the animal rights, the animal testing facility, and spoke to some of the people there. Um, 
so yeah really interesting story this one with uh, lots of different sides and angles and uh, i think a, a, yeah different personal players on how we interpret it has anyone got any any thoughts any reactions to this um so i definitely don't agree with you know hurting animals and putting them through pain unnecessarily but equally I think that this probably does us um, does serve a purpose and of course you know if there were something going on as Peter suggests that um, it was unnecessary and that no good was coming from it then I I would you know of course say that the testing was wrong however the people at the university are scientists obviously what they're doing is like valuable because they're saying it is and I don't think that they would be doing these tests unless it was um necessary I I know I really hope that there is an alternative way of doing it like I don't like the idea of animals being used for anything that is causing them harm unnecessarily um but I can't see how um this isn't useful if scientists are saying that it is useful and that they need to do it yeah, I've actually never heard anything about um, animal testing and Peter or similar groups protesting at Bath or or taking issues. So thanks for sharing that, Glenn. I had no idea. But yeah, as Lucy was saying, I I I imagine there are quite stringent regulations, and that this research was approved. I, I'm speculating here. I imagine it was approved, you know, within the parameters of what they're doing. But I guess the conflict comes that. Peter demands more on the animal rights side of things than, you know, perhaps the, the typical academic process. Is that is that what you kind of observed, Glenn, when you saw them? Yeah, so I should add there that specifically in response to this article uh, that came from Somerset Live, um, they did say um, that the, I think they call it in vitro, there was, there was no alternative um, to animal testing. Uh, there was no artificial in vitro alternative um, for this experiment um, and it, it does as with everything go through a quite a rigorous um, ethical test and kind of value um, analysis. Um, previously and, and I, I was really impressed when I went to the facility it's very professional very clean very secure um, and the, the people there uh, were, were some of the most kind of academically impressive people I've spoken to at the university. They were very clued up on, on what they were doing. Um, it's obviously a, a world away from why I study, um, but, you know, it seemed to really understand what they were talking about and, and understand, you know, the, the controversy of what they were dealing with, but also the importance of their work. And that work has previously been um, cancer research, I believe, and um, but they have doubled in other uh, more controversial areas of work, which again they were quite upfront and honest about, um, and, and that often includes like you know addiction research and things like that. Um, but yeah, for me, to go through these ethical tests, it's very competent, um, passionate, and you know effective professionally group of people that run this facility have. have complete faith especially you know on the back of this story that we've seen here I think it's valuable work in the you know in the production of you know antidepressant drugs which is something that's that's really valuable. Yeah I just think I don't know very much about this at all but I just kind of agree with Lucy in that um, it's really just about whether it's necessary or not and if Glenn you're saying that you know this the facilities seemed um, like everything they were doing was for a purpose and they were very upfront about that then I think 
it sort of makes sense to be testing on animals in the case that it is really necessary for drug discovery. Um, but yeah, it's just sort of about whether that is the case or not. Should I give you guys my, my fun story of the week? Yeah, go for it. Go for it. So, yeah, my story is perhaps more of a heads up, which I hope people can take advantage of in, in these last few days of term. So Film Bath Festival kicks off next week from the 11th to the 16th of December at Green Park Station, which is the location of the, the famous Big Sainsbury's, if you're unsure. Um, Bath's annual film festival has been pushed back a few weeks from its usual November timing to December, as I'm sure we can all understand. Um, and it really looks like a great lineup and a great event. They're screening open air films in a COVID safe, socially distanced way. Um, and their festival has a particular focus on championing, championing, championing films <laughs> directed and or written by women using their F rating, which is, um, yeah, a ranking they apply to films um, similar to the Bechdel test, which people might know about, but kind of going above and beyond to identify films that are directed um, and or written by women. Um, there are two films screening each evening during the festival. Some are already sold out, but tickets are still available. So I'd suggest if you're interested to have a quick look. Um, Student tickets are £6 and, yeah, you can find all the details if you Google Film Bath Festival. Something fun for the last few days of term, if anyone is still around in Bath. That sounds brilliant. That sounds so exciting. I am very sad that I'm not going to be here for it. I didn't actually realise that this was going on um, in my first year at Bath. But yeah, that's so lovely that they've still been able to... Um, uh, do it and especially with the you know the emphasis that's being put on saving the arts over the pandemic I think that's really amazing so yeah well done Bath. Sounds like an amazing thing that they're putting on but I'm just concerned isn't it going to be really cold <laughs> because it is the middle of December to be doing a film festival sort of I'm guessing it's outside given tier two um, yeah I think kind of thing I would love to go to but in reality I would be complaining the whole time and probably think that I'd got hypothermia and then realised I was just being a drama queen. Yeah, that's a very valid point. Um, yeah, I'm not sure whether there are outdoor heaters. I imagine they're in, you know, very high demand in the hospitality and events industry at the moment. So yeah, I've bundled up warm, I think. And like Lisa was saying, I, I've noticed the posters in, in Green Park in recent weeks, um, but I'm gutted. I only really clocked on that this was happening in my final year. But yeah, if people are interested, um, get on it and don't, don't leave it till final year like I have. Right, our next story is um, definitely a more serious one, albeit very much in the early stages as we are recording this. So yesterday evening on Thursday the 3rd, all students received in the weekly update from university senior management the following message about a party on campus. The email reads, we were deeply troubled to discover earlier this week that the prayer room in Norwood House, recently opened as a special space for our Muslim students, had been damaged and left in a terrible state by what looks like a student party. We take this very seriously and are investigating the matter further. We have, of course, taken immediate steps to rectify the damage and enhance security as a priority. Uh, they continue, this incident is completely counter to our values as a respectful and inclusive university community. We are particularly disappointed that it has occurred after a semester which has so far been largely characterised by acts of kindness and a real community spirit. Um, 
I know we had a brief conversation among the three of us last night when when this story came out. Um, yeah, it, it's a very, very important one. Um, we were basically saying that as the the details unravel, which they might over the coming days and weeks, it could it could kind of go one of two ways, of course, because there are quite a few unknowns still. Um, yeah, we were saying it, it's a very different story if the students were aware of the room they were in and the use of it and the significance. Um, I haven't been there myself, so I don't know, you know, how evident it is. Um, but of course, you know, it has been recently opened in, in just the last couple of weeks. So you would think people have clocked onto that, especially if they're living in the close vicinity. Um, yeah, I don't know if they were aware of it. That seems to be the, you know, the main sticking point of this story, because, yeah, if they did know the the significance of the room they were in, that's really very troubling, obviously. Uh, Glenn, I think you said you've got some more about this story. Yeah, no, obviously a really shameful story, this for our, our kind of university community. Um, but yeah, I, I've spoke to a couple of sources within the SU and, and university community, uh, and the kind of staff um, on, both, on both sides. And what we've heard um, is a few things. There was estimates that there was between 30 and 50 people um, in this party. Um, and basically there was no signs of, of forced entry, but there's some, there's a, an access door um, that is typically only for staff. Um, for cleaning, it's not the main entrance that basically it sounds like people stumbled across um, and found their way in there. Um, the kind of more interesting nugget of this story is that to date, uh, only one person um, has been found, or that was true as of earlier this week. Um, only one person was found in there around four o'clock this morning after a few reports. So either, you know, maybe it wasn't reported quite late or it, it took security a, a while to get there, which is a bit strange. Um, but yeah, only one person, one guy caught in there who was still hanging around at four o'clock. Um, very troubling story. I've heard that it was in a, a horrible state of room. So obviously, uh, you know, quite sad and, um, you know, disrespectful to those students who use the space. Um, but yeah, that's what we've got. Yeah, I think sort of either way it's it's disrespectful um, because I think even if they didn't know the use of the room, having a party with 30 to 40 people, 30 to 50 people, did you say, um, in, in the middle of a pandemic when we've only just come out of lockdown, Bath is still in tier two, is just irresponsible and sort of disrespectful to those that are more vulnerable from coronavirus. Um, but if they if they did know about the room, then that's sort of even worse. Um, and I think sort of when I was doing campaign research, I um, talking to Muslim students or students that um, were involved in the Muslim community, um, they were sort of quite keen actually to get the prayer room moved out of Norwood because of the kind of reputation um, of Norwood for being sort of quite a party um, place. And, you know, they've got the big social spaces and everything. So um, and that was kind of, you know, affecting their ability to sort of have that quiet space. Um, so I think maybe this will sort of add a lot more ammunition to that campaign, potentially, which is an interesting uh, thing to think about. Definitely. Th thinking back to my second year, the room was graffitied before. It was a story that we heard about and, and never covered. We struggled to get information on it and it was it was 
cleaned up quite quickly. Um, basically, it wasn't deemed a hate crime because it was kind of general graffiti um, that was on that space. But I think, as you say there, Eloise, um, interesting that those students have been asked for this space to be moved out of Norwood before. It is next to the social space in there. Um, so, yeah, that absolutely needs to happen um, if this is what's going on. So, yeah, fing fingers crossed um, they can get that sorted. And shameful that it has to happen. Um, if it does happen, um, and, and quite embarrassing for the student community here that, that this kind of thing goes on. Yeah, definitely. Um, and as bath time, we'll keep an eye on it, I'm sure. Um, and if anything more comes out, then we'll make sure that students know. Glenn, I hope you have a lighter story for us. Well, I, I wish I could say I did. Um, it's a bit of a touching story, this one, uh, that starts with some twists and turns. Um, so this week, uh, Bristol's uh, Colson statue was again replaced uh, following the, remo the removal of the original uh, during the Black Lives Matter protests over the summer. Uh, statue of Darth Vader now stands on the plinth where the slave trader once stood, an apt replacement, some might say. Uh, but the erection of the statue uh, was not promoted uh, by the intention to draw parallels uh, by the tragic passing of David Prowse. Uh, the Bristolian actor who played the Sith Lord. Uh, and in the Bristol Live articles, uh, locals were quoted saying that the move was a fetching tribute to a great Bristolian, uh, with many others uh, discussing the value and global recognition of Prowse's work. Uh, but as ever, uh, with Bath and Bristol Live stories, there's always a quirky comment in there somewhere. And this week, one Bristolian uh, appreciated the statue in 2020 as it highlighted the all-important issue of wearing masks. So there we go. Um, not a particularly cheery one, but an interesting story nonetheless. So you're saying, Glenn, it it, it wasn't intended to um, commemorate Dave Prowse, but just coincidental that it went up in the same week as his passing. Is that right? No, sorry. So it, it was intended to commemorate Dave Prowse. It, it wasn't intended to draw any parallels between um, Edward Colston and Darth Vader. Um, <laughs> Although uh, it, it works, it works with a few angles. This story um, and and the the Bristol Live article certainly did quite well as a result of that. Lovely, right? Okay. Um, so there has been some really positive news about asymptomatic testing in Bath. Um, we've already seen a decline in COVID cases at the university since lockdown began. However, since the scheme to test university students for the virus before they return back home for Christmas has shown just how well students have been adhering to lockdown measures. Um, out of a thousand tests that have taken place at the university since Tuesday, there have only been three positive cases. Um, it was suggested to me that while many uh, who are getting tested may be more likely to adhere to lockdown measures and may be more cautious about bringing the virus back home. Um, I do, and therefore the statistic is skewed, I actually was very surprised that there were so few cases. I also got tested this week, I had my test on Thursday, um, and I was really, really impressed with how well run it was by the university. Um, everyone at the site was socially distanced outside when filling in forms, and then I had to use uh, antibacterial um, gel three times I think while I was there. Um, all the students were wearing masks and the people who were helping us administer tests were behind uh, a screen as well, which was brilliant. Um, it was all student run as well, which I think was really, really amazing and just shows um, how well students at Bath have reacted to the news of both lockdown, mass testing and the pandemic in general. That is really heartwarming, isn't it, Lucy? 
it feels like finally some good news. Um, yeah, I know I for one have been refreshing the university's daily reporting every day. So they report how many um, coronavirus cases they are aware of within the whole student community on and off campus students and staff. Um, and at its peak, you were looking at about 30 cases a day, sometimes maybe peaks of 40 or 50. Um, yeah, definitely in the 30s regularly. Um, and it's great to see them properly coming down. Um, yeah, finally, some good news that lockdown is actually effective. Um, yeah, and it's quite good for morale, isn't it, to see that things are actually going in the right direction. I was a bit worried um, that they would tick up as this mass asymptomatic testing started. So as of last week, they were also very low, you know, talking none, no new cases per day or perhaps one or two. Um, and that's still been the case. You know, those figures have stayed quite stable this week, even as the mass asymptomatic testing starts, which obviously now is testing, you know, hundreds and hundreds, if not over the thousand mark, more students than were last week. Um, so, yeah, that's really good to see. And hopefully they can stay low. Everyone can travel home safely. Um, and we really do protect the wider community. Yeah, I, I really hope that it um, works out well and sort of, yeah, protects the people that we are sort of coming home to uh, when we move out from university. And I think it also just, I saw a tweet from um, our old SU president, Eve Alcock, um, saying that sort of this is really an example of what universities can do when they are given the right resources by the government. I think it just really illustrates, and especially with what you were saying, Lucy, about how it was just very well organised, seemed very safe. Um, it just really demonstrates that, you know, if you give a university what it needs to be able to implement something, it will do it. And um, I think it being student run as well is amazing and sort of really shows what students can do, especially in light of sort of how students were depicted earlier in the year by I think it was Matt Hancock um, sort of putting us to blame for coronavirus. The fact that students are actually coming forward, getting tested, putting the health of others first is a really sort of nice positive spin to see after all of that negative coverage yeah definitely uh, it's been like a massive massive logistical challenge there that the university has completely overcome and, and delivered tests that um i've heard people are getting results back within or just over 30 minutes um which is incredible when you look at the you know the the government struggled to do that on a national or, or local scale when that first started so to see the university kind of achieving that um is you know is incredible and you know well done to them. Uh, it's also brilliant, and as, as we've kind of hinted at there, that we've got a lot of, um, from, from what we can tell them when we're looking into this, a lot of student volunteers there helping out as well. Um, so, so brilliant, yeah, brilliant story to see all around. I would add, with my usual dose of, of cynicism um, and scepticism that I do whenever we cover this, um, that it's a situation that perhaps we didn't need to be in. I don't feel that we all need to be back in Bath and. Um, with the university looping back to our first story and tying it all in, um, having people paying um, fairly extortionate rent prices um, and not getting refunds for being here late, uh, for, well, for leaving the accommodation early. Um, you know, they're making, they're making the best out of a bad situation that they put themselves in. Um, but anyway, focus on the positive, brilliant story, lots of tests, pretty quick, well done. I completely agree with Glenn on that, like, yeah. It would be better if we weren't here in the first place, especially as someone living at home during the lockdown period. I definitely feel that, uh, but at least they're doing this about it now.
thanks for making it to the end of this week's bath bomb i hope you've enjoyed our company whatever you're up to as always if you have any thoughts or reactions to this week's news or the episode please do get in touch with us via bath time on facebook instagram and twitter or you could send us an email at su-media-officer at bath.ac.uk and if you hear of anything going on that you think we should chat about next week then please do let us know we're very friendly people i promise equally if our rambling sound like fun and you'd like to get involved with student media then we would really love to have you and we're always open to new members whatever your interests are so speak soon and have a lovely week bye